Um, and we've had a couple, uh, two or three messages about discernment recently. We've gone through this practice before. Um, and I just want to encourage us. Um, I'm thankful for a church family that as we preach and teach, um, we are creating space to actually practice. Um, you know, oftentimes I can... How many times do you read books or listen to podcasts or whatever, and then the next day you've probably forgotten about it? We're trying to create a place we are practicing and engaging in this. And so uh, this is one of those spaces, right? We're doing this every other week and one more time, I guess, and then maybe in the, in the new year we'll see because uh, we have Advent. Um, but I'm excited. There's other couple places for this space is Wednesday nights, if anyone, and then fr- every other Friday... Um, We've been doing some prayer time. I was not able to make it again this this week. Um, apparently, most everyone else wasn't able to make it either. Is that, is that funny? Is that that's fun? No one laughed. I thought that was like. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm joking. Yeah, sorry. Um, no, um, but we will do it again. Not this Friday, but the next Friday. Correct, Greg. So I would encourage us to just uh, mark our calendars for that and not be one of those things where we're like, well, if we have nothing else to do, we'll go. Like, let's try to create space. Because what we're doing is we're practicing discerning God's heart for us and for this community. This is really important stuff. And as part of that process, we're telling stories. And Megan, we thank you for telling, sharing yours last time. And we get to hear Kate's story today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, man, they get good reaction for Kate, but not my jokes. Um, it's <laughs> so we're gonna hear Kate's story, and as we listen to Kate's story, um, the reason that we're in tables, uh, if you weren't here last time, is we're gonna ask a question and we're gonna have some discussion. We will ask everyone table to have a spokesperson, everyone's favorite thing. Uh, we'll take, we'll share ask one more question, and then we will uh, we'll end. So, Kate, I've heard, I got a chance to hear this uh, about a week ago, and it was great, so. So, my story is very different from Megan's, but one thing that is similar is that I will cry. So, I'm going to grab the Kleenexes. Um, thank you to the shepherds and to the church for allowing me this time and space to share with y'all. I hope that it's going to be helpful and useful. So I was raised in the very conservative Churches of Christ um, by my parents and a very loving and well-meaning group of surrogate grandparents. And, of course, there were lots of things that I learned there, but three of the things that are going to be relevant for today uh, were that the Holy Spirit is no longer active. I was taught that the Holy Spirit was active 2,000 years ago for the formation of the church and of scripture, and that once the people who were given the gift of the Holy Spirit um, died out, the Holy Spirit was no longer active. I was taught, among many other sins, that um, if you were divorced for reasons other than infidelity, that was a sin. And I was also taught that if you 
were to die in a state of sin, you would go to hell. So if there were messages on grace as I was growing up, then they kind of bounced off my young brain. But my very early brain definitely soaked up any messages of fear. My whole childhood was really marked by fear. I had severe anxiety, and I would often be sick from nerves. So when I made the decision at 10 years old to be baptized, it wasn't because I understood anything about my relationship with God or the love of Christ. Um, It was because I was afraid of hell and retribution. So um, one other thing about my childhood, I had the maybe dubious distinction of going to Good Pasture, which is a Church of Christ school in Nashville. So I was really steeped in the Church of Christ um, environment. And I went there from kindergarten through 12th grade. So by the time I went to college, I was really ready to get out of this Church of Christ bubble. And so I went to MTSU instead of going to Lipscomb or Harding or Freed along with a lot of my classmates. I was still going to church with my parents, um, but I was growing increasingly frustrated by messages that I was hearing there that I couldn't really understand or agree with. And then when I was 22, I made two big decisions. First, I left my parents' church. And I started going to Ackland Avenue Church of Christ in Nashville. The first time I visited there, I went to Bible study, and I knew immediately that I was home. There was a group of mostly graduated Lipscomb students and some Lipscomb faculty, along with some older couples who had been there since the 50s. And they were funny and snarky, and they listened to the same indie music that I listened to and watched the same shows that I listened to. And I had never met a group of Christians other than my two siblings who were actually interested in the same things as me. In my little good pasture and very conservative Church of Christ bubble, I was, you know, a quirky weirdo. And the people that I got along with who were interested in the same things as me and got my sense of humor didn't happen to be Christians. So I had never experienced that before. But even more, the church at Ackland was earnest in their desire for a deeper relationship with Christ. They studied deeply and they talked openly And they weren't afraid to look at other perspectives uh, and other traditions to deepen their relationship with Christ. That was very different for me because I was used to a very closed perspective. And it was with Ackland that I started to hear more discussions about the Holy Spirit and how he acts today. I was still very closed at this point to, to that idea. And I remember getting into an argument once with my friend Brad, who didn't understand my close perspective. And I remember thinking at the time, well, he said he grew up charismatic, so I just dismissed it. (laughs) But that conversation still kind of rolled around in my brain. And I began to question what I thought I knew about the Holy Spirit. 
The other decision that I made when I was 22 was I started to date my friend Corey. We'd known each other for a few years. Um, we'd been friends since he was married. He'd been divorced for about a year at this point. Corey was not a Christian, and he had not been divorced for reasons of infidelity. And I still had that voice rattling around in my head from my childhood that said, this is a sin. But I wanted to date him. He was sweet, and he was romantic, and most importantly, he was actually interested in me. So I pushed that anxiety down, and I continued to date him. And I continued to push that anxiety aside, and continued to date all the way to the altar, and passed it. I was so nervous and sick um, the night before we got married that I actually did not sleep a single moment the night before we got married, not for a minute. And I went to my dad, who was a doctor, um, at about two or three in the morning just to see, like, is there anything that you can give me to help me sleep? And at that point, he said, no, it's too late. <laughs> so I just toughed it out. But I didn't sleep at all. <clears throat> I don't know what pre-wedding jitters are for other people, but for me, it was a fear that I was sinning by marrying Corey. But I was on a train that I didn't know how to stop without hurting people. And I wanted to marry him and move on with that part of my life. So I pushed the anxiety down and I kept moving. My fear kept rearing its head after we were married. Two weeks after we got married, we moved to Prague to teach English and we stopped for a honeymoon in Edinburgh. Um, and there was one night my anxiety was so bad that I couldn't leave the hotel. So Corey decided to go out and walk around the city by himself. I think he saw a movie. And I sat in the hotel room by myself, just sick with anxiety and praying for forgiveness. I prayed for forgiveness, but I didn't feel forgiven. So I didn't know what forgiven felt like, but I knew what guilt and shame felt like. And I lived in that space whenever my anxiety reared its head and I couldn't push it aside anymore. And of course, things were not all bad. We moved, we loved living in Prague and we moved back to the States and we had two beautiful babies. Corey went to grad school. I continued to grow in my faith through my relationships at Ackland. And I started trying to listen and watch for where the Holy Spirit might be working in our lives. When we moved to Pennsylvania in 2014, I had grown enough to say fairly soon after we started going to Grace Point Church of Christ that I felt like the Holy Spirit might have led us there. And Grace Point was another stepping stone. It was completely different in its worship from Ackland, where Ackland was very traditional in its worship. Grace Point was contemporary. It had a praise team. I had never done that before. I wasn't really sure how I felt about it. 
where Acklin was progressive and theological, Grace Point was more politically diverse and were not great spiritual academics, but they were deeply caring and they took the grace part of their name very seriously with a ministry to um, people in recovery from addiction and all kinds of hurt. Forgiveness was a common theme in the messages at Grace Point, alongside open conversations of how the Holy Spirit was working in the church. After some time at Grace Point, I began to realize that God had led us there very specifically, not just for the wider church and our experiences there, but to connect me with Haley and Jody and Jonathan. Jody was a young mother. There weren't very many at Ackland to three young boys. And Haley had just arrived back in her home state of Pennsylvania after some years in Memphis. Jonathan had been offered the, her husband Jonathan had been offered the preaching position at Grace Point, and they arrived a month earlier than we had arrived back at Grace Point. Um, the Woodalls had a child the same age as our John. When I started going to Grace Point, I connected with them very quickly. I didn't think too much of it for a while. You know, I, I make friends pretty easily. I would just kind of, you know, do my normal life. But Jody is one of those wonderful people whose love language is quality time. And she pursued time together explicitly and steadily. So it was impossible for me to let whatever threads I might let dangle in the ether just kind of float out there. Haley is the type of person who's always scheduling adventures. And because I'm the type of person who's always up for an adventure, it was a really good match. So the three of us got along really well. And Jody and her husband would tell me later that her life had been so lonely for so long. There wasn't anyone that she connected with. She didn't work outside the home. And before Haley and I got there, she didn't have any friends. So as our relationship deepened over time, they saw the best and the worst of what was going on in my life. And Jody especially knows more about my life than any person on earth. I'm not afraid to be vulnerable with her because she loves loyally and listens without judgment. So a few years after we moved to Pennsylvania, I knew without a doubt that the Holy Spirit had led us to Grace Point so that I could meet Haley and Jody. I was hearing week after week messages of forgiveness and grace. And somewhere I think the messages were sinking in, but I still struggled with the same anxiety that I had since before we got married. I didn't feel like grace applied to me. I didn't know that how it applied to me. I only hoped it did, but I wasn't like other sinners. I had made a willful choice. Even 12 years after we got married with a nine and a seven-year-old, anxiety about my soul would rear its head, and I would pray for forgiveness for this same sin that I had made 12 years ago. 
And one day about four years ago, I was just sitting on my bed in our house in Lidditz and having one of these moments and praying a variation on a prayer. I had prayed hundreds probably times before. God, if I've sinned against you in marrying this man, I pray that you forgive me. Use our family to your glory. Turn my heart to you and remove whatever impurity is within me. And suddenly my thoughts were interrupted by a voice, by another thought. It was like a voice, but it wasn't audible. And it didn't feel like my thought. It didn't feel like it came from my head. And very clearly, it said, Stop asking forgiveness for things I've already forgiven. Have you ever been really close to where a lightning strike hits? When I was 17, I was driving down Gallatin Road, and a lightning strike hit like 100 or so feet away in an empty parking lot. And I remember the feeling jolt through my body, part electricity and part adrenaline, and every hair standing on end. And immediately after I had this thought about being forgiven, I had a similar feeling of electricity through my body, and I felt lit up from the inside. I sat on my bed in shock, processing what had just happened and going, did that just really happen? Did that say what I think it said? And as I processed, I realized the truth of what it said. I had prayed over and over for forgiveness. But I only had to ask once. I'd been in this prison of guilt and shame for years, but I'm the one who built it. And I had locked myself in it. There was nobody keeping there but me. God wasn't keeping me locked in those feelings. Just like David mentioned this morning, I was so thankful for what you said because it was exactly right from Isaiah 43. And he promises that when we confess our sins, he'll forgive us. And I had heard that countless times before. But it wasn't until this moment that I understood. It's like God saying, hello, what do I have to do to get through to you? After the shock came with this realization, I started feeling joy and thankfulness. I knew that I had been given a gift, and I was filled up with joy, absolutely brimming from the inside, and I started crying tears of gratitude and relief. And even today, I can think about this moment and feel that same feeling. I just remember it so clearly. And I know it still to be true. Which isn't to say that I never have anxiety anymore. I still do, but not about my soul. I'm confident in the promise of God 
And I know that none of us have to live trapped in that shame because of Christ's sacrifice. <laughs> it's really hard to say. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Man, thank you, Kate. That's that's incredible. Incredible. So the first thing we're gonna do in our groups is ask the question as we consider her story and how powerful it was, um, what evidences of God's grace do we see in her story? Just like we did with Megan. So we're going to take five to 10 minutes. We'll see. Uh, Cause we have two questions and I, don't, I know, I know when we get moving along in time, people get antsy. Um, but I just, I ask that we would try to stay present here with each other and with the story and asking, so what evidences of God's grace are seen? Then we'll come back together and make sure you pick a spokesperson. Cause we would like to hear from every table. About one more minute, and then we'll go around. So, there's two questions. We're going to just do the first one now, and then answer, and then we'll do the other. All right. I know there's a lot, a lot of good stuff going on, but let's, uh, let's share, as we did last time, um, who wants to go first? David? All right. evidence of God's grace and I think if you've ever experienced journaling prayer and then looking back at all the many points that God has reached out in different ways to answer that prayers I think we can identify with what Kate is saying is God has time and time again put her in a place and connected her with people that would meet her needs and allow her to see God's grace um, continually through this journey. Um, that he made people available to her um, that would meet her needs spiritually. <laughs> we have a really fun table, lots of wisdom, lots of stories. Um, and one thing that 
what's interesting about the beginning of our conversation is how your story sparked like this this path of remembrance across the whole table. Man, I grew up in a Catholic church. I grew up in a Church of Christ church. I had never heard that before. I thought when I was doing this, it was a mortal sin. Like, oh my goodness, all of these things. Um, and I want to thank you for your courage and sharing. Uh, I was taking notes, and some of the things that were spoken about were how you were following the Holy Spirit without knowing, um, and that through exposure, God began to change things in your life. Um, somebody had mentioned that what you thought, what you might have thought was rebellion was actually following. And it reminded me of the importance of discipleship and of discipleship relationships, which is something that I get to experience with you in, in D group. Um, but the value of relationships, God enriched your life through your relationships and showed you more of himself. Uh, the, the last thing that kind of rang true at our table and seeing and looking for God's grace was that God didn't change the entire time. Um, but in your hunger and your quest, he led you closer and closer and closer to his heart. So thank you for following the whispers that you didn't even know were whispers. Thank you for um, your willingness to receive the love from the people around you, not knowing that it was God showing you himself. And when you finally got that, stop asking for forgiveness for something that I've already forgiven. Thank you for receiving that. I got a call from a friend of mine. First of all, every, everyone at this table has uh, expressed some feelings of unsurety in, uh, in what the Holy Spirit has done for all of us. I got a telephone call day before yesterday from a friend of mine that I haven't seen since 1990. And there are some people here that can remember um, my retirement party. I had a friend that came up from Georgia that uh, Linda and I spent a lot of time with his family and our family, sitting around the table partying, just having fun, having a good time. And one of the, one of the times that we were at their house, it was storming. And we were partying, disregarding what's going on all around, all around us. And I believe Linda was inside the house, and I was sitting near the door in a chair. And she called me. So I got up out of the chair and started to go toward her. And just as I got up out of the chair, lightning hit the chair. Remember that, John? Remember him sharing that? My friend Terry? I say that to say this. He called me again day before yesterday. And he mentioned that as we were talking about the forgiveness of God. And he brought that subject back up again. Because we are both living different lives now. Both of us love God 
and we see what his mercy and his grace has done in our lives. Had he not called me day before yesterday and said that, I don't know how I would respond to what's going on right now. But that's just confirmation to me that in spite of our shortcomings, when we love God and ask God for forgiveness, he's faithful in spite of my unfaithfulness. He's faithful to forgive and remove all of our sins. That's what I can say. That's what I feel. I feel we have a loving God who will never leave us to just suffer and die without any explanation at all. He saved us. He gave himself for us. He didn't do that haphazardly. He took our sins and he nailed them to the cross. And as long as I love him and do the and attempt to do the things that are pleasing in his sight, grace covers the rest. Thank you. You ready over here? So I'm just going to read through our list, and if you hear something that you've already heard at another table, then take that into account. It's important when we're hearing the same things. Uh, we saw evidence of God's grace. Uh, we'll, do, we'll take off the obvious one first. When God spoke to you. <laughs> That's evidence of God's grace for sure, breaking in. Um, we noticed that the Holy Spirit was still leading you even when you didn't realize it even even despite your your sense of imperfection and 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 being in sin still leading you nonetheless um we noticed that uh even in churches like the ones you grew up in there is god is at work in setting you on a path um we noticed that there's grace in the way God led you to a place and relationships that seem to have made you maybe able to hear what God was saying. And grace in that, in that slow walk toward a moment where you can finally hear, hear what you've heard many times before. Grace, in, uh, grace coming through you for Jody who was so lonely and isolated and, and, and through, through your relationship with her manifested grace. Um, grace in that your baptism still counts, even though you did it for the wrong reasons. <laughs> that uh, the why and the how of it is, is in many ways trivial. And, that, and lastly, grace in that um, you still pursued God despite both being overwhelmed with fear and anxiety in a religious context and being a self-described quirky outsider. And uh, many people with either one of those experiences 
will not continue to pursue God, and you had both of those and did anyway, and and we saw God's grace at work in that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we have some of the same ones, but um, first Megan pointed out the overlapping journeys of meeting Jody and Haley at the right time, um, and I made the same connection of you being... Um, brought into Jody's life at a time where she was lonely, which reminded me of Megan's story um, and just God's grace in in kind of coordinating all of that and literally the right time in the right place, right place at the right time. Um, the grace of being given a gift that we don't deserve and forgiveness and just that you were able to feel that from before you said you didn't know what forgiveness felt like. You only knew of guilt and shame. Um, feel that you're very strong in your choices, even when you didn't know that it was God leading you, that you made hard choices to leave your parents' church, to not go to a college just because all of your classmates were going there. Um, you moved to Prague, you moved to Pennsylvania, you came back to Tennessee, um, just all of those, again, kind of the journey of God coordinating it all, but the fact that you made a lot of those choices without even knowing that that was right where he wanted you. <clears throat> um, that even though you were raised with in a church that did not preach a lot of grace, that you were open to grace and you showed others grace by being willing to change your viewpoint or being open to their viewpoints even when a church or someone might, you know, wasn't raised the same way that you were. Um, you're open to to those things. Um, I think I had a, another sentence in my head about that. but um, And then lastly, that... Um, Similarly, that same foundation of, of a church, even if they didn't get it quite right, that that led you to Ackland Avenue. Megan pointed out kind of a that, that you were still within the Church of Christ, and there was something there that was, that was for you, even though a lot of what you got was fear and um, anxiety, but that it's God's grace that you were there at that time because it led you to where... It led you. All right, so we kind of hit on what everyone else has said as well, talking about being able to attend um, Ackland Avenue, um, that they were open and willing to be challenged and considered alternative beliefs, which gave you um, an opportunity to do the same. And then the friendships that you encountered there, being able to be connected with women who continue to have an impact on your life. Um, and then hearing the voice of God telling you that um, to stop asking for thing, forgiveness for things that he's already forgiven. Those, those are the things we talked about. I have one more. I think it was a great gift of God to allow you to feel that overwhelming joy and that in giving you that, that you received 
a foretaste of what his reality is like. You got a a sample of that and how wonderful that is that you got to experience that. No, no, it's related. I, I just want to move so I can see her. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Miss Beautiful Kate, I mean, you know. But um, I just want to say I really appreciate you sharing and acknowledging and embracing the anxiety aspect of it because I, feel, I don't know if it's just a Church Christ thing or a family thing, I don't know, but um, I think that I'm not the only one that was raised with the, um, if they're bad emotions, we don't, we don't need to talk about them. We don't need to acknowledge them. They're, they're not there. There's something wrong with you. But I really appreciate you sharing that because uh, there's no need to have it all together. And those are real, real things that deserve real um, listening. So I just wanted to say that. So uh, our table thought that God's grace was evident when um, God called you and your family to move to Pennsylvania to, to go to this church and to meet these friends who uh, are very loving, kind, and uh, very similar. And uh, I, think, I think that was part of the grace. And I think another part of the grace was just uh, the thought that he gave you or the way he spoke to you. And so uh, that was that's our stuff. Kate, you're a case study in understanding that grace is a journey. Understanding grace is a journey. Uh, legalism can be so damaging, so it needs to be a point of departure. As has been mentioned, God sent you friends uh, at the perfect time to help. And very similar, reminded us, someone spoke specifically of Megan's story two weeks ago. Friends at the right time are great resources in God's hand. And then the, the two different churches, you, you detailed some of their differences and sort of a progressive move. Uh, if you'd been exposed to Grace Point, Initially, without Ackland Avenue, would you have been open to some of the differences there? Uh, and that's a part of that journey kind of experience. We had a lot of the same things um, about God's audible, God's audible voice that you felt and also um, about your groups of friends and stuff. But we talked about how um, sometimes you can feel guilty about leaving a church, um, especially if it's one you grew up in. Um, and so, like, there's value in recognizing that your spiritual journey was not on the same page as the spiritual journey of your parents' church. Um, and just being able to recognize, and it's like a lot of discernment, recognizing 
where you are at that time and um, being able to say, I'm not leaving because I'm not happy about this or I had a tip with so-and-so, but I'm leaving because I'm not being sped, I'm not being fed spiritually and this is not the journey that I want to be on. Um, and so I think, you know, it's just like, it's just a balance these days of not being defined as a church hopper, but um, being able to see the value in finding where you need to be led. And I think it's the evidence of God's grace that you found that at Ackland Avenue, and then you also found that at Grace Point. Kate, I want to thank you personally, and I know some other people feel this way, for your perseverance. I know human tendencies at time, we feel so much pain, we can go into denialism and just say, well, you know, I'm going to take my, what I've been believing and living and just deny it now and try and, you know, ignore the pain and, and be done with the anxiety. Um, but you persevered, you continue, even though God says, look, I've forgiven you, you continue to seek his forgiveness, you continue to seek his mercies and his grace, and that's such a powerful witness. Uh, we see it all throughout the Psalms where David is pleading with God for deliverance and pleading with God for his mercy and his grace and pleading with God to help me through a circumstance with others, with enemies, with himself. Um, thank you for that perseverance. Thank you for being open with us. All right, so for the next question, we're just going to take a couple minutes, and every table does not have to answer this question, uh, especially with the time. Um, very important for us as we considering this and we're learning to practice this discernment together is what missionary lessons does this have for Stones River? So what can we learn as we are trying our best to be on mission with God? What parts of Kate's story, what lessons can we learn as we go to participate in his mission? So just let's, let's take a couple minutes, maybe collect your thoughts for a second, unless someone already has someone who wants to go ahead and share, but you do. Okay, Greg does. So you can just collect your thoughts as Greg talks. You don't have to you listen to him. I think the the lesson, one lesson that we we ought to pay attention to here is that um, God is moving us into relationships with people moving us at times in ways we don't even perceive, we don't understand, but that those relationships are redemptive, that they are a means of grace, that they're a means of bringing people into a deeper relationship with God, uh, into a place where they can hear God, into a place where they can pay attention to the Holy Spirit. Um, just that 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 happens not only for Kate, but for so many of us, maybe all of us, that that it's 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 these relationships that that God puts us into. 
that make us able to receive grace. And I think we think about that a lot of times on the receiving end. Like, well, where are the relationships that are going to fill my needs? You know, they're going to help with my loneliness. They're going to that are going to change me. But I think the missionary lesson is to remember that you're on the other side of that too, that God may be leading you into relationships where you're the means of grace for others. And so, so pay attention, pay attention to those relationships as they arise. I want to say just to go along with that, I was thinking as you're in those relationships, the element of, um, patience. Uh, I was thinking of the charismatic friend that wanted to share with you about the Holy Spirit. And it could be easy for him thinking, well, I've got this and Kate doesn't and, you know, getting frustrated or something. But that's, that, that was, that was not God's plan. It's just continue to be in those relationships, continue to receive and give. I think this is basically what Greg just said, but I like the way that John wrote it and then he disappeared. Um, Find your people because sometimes they need to find their people too. Um, And then learn to demonstrate grace to people unfamiliar with the concept. We are Jesus. And I love the word pursue that you used, that your friend Jody pursued you. So the missionary lesson for our church is who are we pursuing? Anyone else? I'll, I'll do David, and then we'll, we'll, we'll end with your thought. Uh, just one thought. Uh, see if I can word this correctly. Is to understand and accept grace, but we also have to learn to accept the grace and forgive ourselves. When you think about uh, an airplane, when you take an airplane ride, well, they teach you to prep on the flight. You know, if, if the oxygen mask drop, put yours on first and then help the person beside you. So forgiveness has to start with us forgiving ourselves, understanding the grace that we have been given. And then I think we can internalize and promote the grace that we need to. Any other thoughts before Kate gives her a thought? All right. I have my own mic. <laughs> this is piggybacking on what David just said, but obviously I've, I've had a lot of years to think about what it means for me. And I think with the communities that we work with, and there's a lot of people. In, in our community and then in the wider community that we work with um, who obviously are struggling with addiction of all kinds. And I think about the cycle of guilt that that inspires in people. And so I just feel like there's a lot, um, if we look inside our own feelings of guilt and really tap into that and, and what that can feel like to be stuck in that cycle, um, to know the freedom that we have through Jesus um, 
and, and how we can share that. That's sort of what it brings up for me. Yeah, Kate, that's it. The, we're going to sing a song, I'm assuming. 